Greetings, Team Ajilam. Karibuni sana tena. We are now on our 10th episode of the Walking with God series. And today we're going to be looking at John chapter 6. And now because this is Bible study, as always, I uh, would like you to be able to go and go read John chapter 6 before we continue with this message. So I want to ask you at this moment in time to pause the video here right now. Pause the video over here and go read John chapter 6. I want you to read the entire chapter. And when you are done, come back and continue watching. Go read John 6 now. Woo! Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, what you just read, John chapter 6, there are, there are four distinct things that are happening in this chapter, okay? Now, the first thing is, is that Jesus feeds over 5,000 men, women, and children from five loaves and two fish. Very popular story that we most of us probably know about. Then the second thing is Jesus walks on water, right? So this, this, this is an action-packed chapter. And then the third thing is Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. And number four, on account of his proclamation that he is the bread of life, many disciples desert Jesus, right? So there are four distinct things that are happening. And I want to look at uh, each of these things um, uh, in regards to us being able to kind of understand what God is trying to teach us through this, uh, this chapter. Now, this chapter begins with Jesus still being in Galilee. Now, if you remember from last week when we were talking about his experience in Galilee, and I think this was about two weeks ago, we talked about how the people there did not believe in Jesus, right? Um, the only reason that they were following him around is because of the miracles that Jesus would perform. And so it was, this was an incredibly entertaining individual for them. I mean, can you imagine the excitement about being able to just come and just watch all these amazing miracles, right? And that's why it says that a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. This is the reason why people were following him because of all these signs and they were excited about it. But they still did not believe in Jesus but they loved his entertainment, right? And the thing is, is that even though Jesus knew that the people did not believe in him, he still had compassion on them. And what Jesus decides to do is that he decides that from this huge crowd that's following him, that he wants to feed the crowd. In verse uh, 5 to 6, it says that Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Now, the thing that I want you to consider at this point, especially the way in which John says this, is that when John is writing this, it's after the fact, right? Remember that John is writing this um, long, long after Jesus has, has died and resurrected and, and uh, these incidents um, that he's writing about have already happening, right? So meaning that at the time, if you think about at that very moment in time, Right? No one knew what Jesus was about to do. Right? No one knew what Jesus was, that, that, that Jesus was testing Philip with this question. So I, for anyone who was there at that very moment, when Jesus is asking, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? You have to know that the, you know, when, we read this, when we read the word, we know what Jesus is going to do. But at the time, no one at that place knew what Jesus was going to do. Right? But the thing is, is that though Jesus already knew what he was going to do, he wanted to test Philip. And another way to look at this is that Jesus wanted to teach Philip something. 
right? That's the whole purpose of a test, right? <laughs> Isn't it? The test comes to be able to be like, well, have you, well, I'm trying to teach you something, right? And now I'm trying to understand if the thing that, if you've understood the thing that I'm trying to teach you, that's why the test is there. Because the thing to realize is that Jesus doesn't just test us for fun, right? And that's the thing that is so interesting to understand already even as we get into this, is the fact that our God tests us. He wanted to teach Philip and all the other disciples, including us, something. And so Jesus, fully knowing this, first knowing what he was going to do, tests Philip. He wants to test Philip. You know, I realized um, very recently that there's, you know, there's one area in my life where um, I'm constantly being tested by the Lord. And I think the reason why he constantly tests me in this is because I <laughs> he constantly tests me and I constantly fail <laughs> this test, right? Um, where there are certain times where there's a certain area in my life where when I'm tested, I always veer towards the negative side of things. And so for the one billionth time, God tested me in that area. And of course, for the one billionth time, I failed to recall that... God was actually trying to teach me something. And the thing is, is that after, obviously, the whole thing and getting into my whole kind of negative state, I remember, you know, God reminding me, he's like, my guy, I need you to remember that I got you. I got you all the time, man. You, you, you don't have to be, you don't have to, to, to get into a place of despair or, or, or negativity because you know I got you. And, I'm, and, he, and he always reminds me that, right? But the thing that was so unique this time around is where God literally would, you know, said to me, he's like, Thimba, I need you to know that you're going to be tested in this again. I want you to be aware that this is a test that I want you to overcome, and I'm going to test you in this again. This test is going to come again. And sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, the test came. And when it did, I initially, as usual, because that's, that's my, my, what was my, my, my habit, I began to veer to the negative, and then I remembered. God telling me that I'm going to test you in this again. And this time around, I had the tools to answer to the test because God had shown me, I'm with you. I'm always with you. Maintain a positive mindset. Maintain a positive attitude. Maintain an attitude of gratitude, right? That you respond to me with praise and positivity rather than getting into the negative feelings, right? And in that moment, I remember just thinking like, this test came again and this time around, um, I think for the first time in a long time, for the, one, for the first time in one billion instances, that this time around, Nilipita Yom Tihani. And just like he did to Philip, he will do to us. He will test us so that our faith may grow. He will test us. And you see, that's the thing that happened, is that now my faith has grown because now I recognize that that place, that is a, that is a test. And the thing that God is trying to do is that he's trying to teach me something. That he's trying to teach me that I should not allow this thing to get me into a negative space. That instead, that I don't allow this thing to change your attitude. Stay focused. Stay grateful. Stay praising. Stay positive. Right? And just like he did to Philip, he will do to us. He will test us. And he will test us so that our faith may grow. Right? And I pray that for you as well, that you will learn to overcome the test. And so when Jesus asked Philip, where can we buy food to feed all these people? We realize that actually Jesus wasn't asking Philip about food, but really he was asking Philip about his faith. Ooh, come on. He was asking Philip about his faith. If Philip had great faith, he may have responded something like, Lord, 
There is no need to buy bread. You are greater than Moses, and under Moses the people were fed with manna in the wilderness. Lord, just speak the word and bread will come from heaven, and we shall all be filled. That's obviously in an ideal scenario, in which where Philip is like, man, I have faith and believe that you are able to provide the bread that we need. Or maybe he would have said, Lord, only you know how you can perform such a great task to feed a multitude like this. Only you, O oh Lord, are able to do such a thing. Because ideally, we do not have the money for this, but you are able to provide. But instead, what Philip does is he instead, he begins to count his pennies, letting Jesus know that they couldn't afford such a feat. We can't afford such a thing, Lord. Even if we worked for months on end, we couldn't even afford to do such a thing. You know, I wonder if there's a way in which we can relate or that we relate with Philip where the Lord gives us a daunting task or instruction and the first thing we do is look at our obvious inability to follow through rather than looking to him to supply what it is that we need. Almost every single person that God called in the scriptures was like, Philip, I can't do this, Lord. <laughs> Even if I put all the effort I have in me, I can't do such a thing. And the only reason we have this perspective is because we are looking at our ability to do that thing which God is calling us to do or what it is that he has said that he would be able to do. That we look at this thing and we say, man, there's no way that I have the ability to do this. This reminds me of Numbers 11. When the children of Israel were tired of eating the manna from heaven, they wanted meat. So they started complaining and grumbling that they wanted meat. They complained and grumbled and complained and grumbled. And they went and told Moses, my guy, where is the nyama, bro? We used to have meat in Egypt. Right? And so God gets really pissed off with these guys and he's just like, ah, I'm going to give these guys all the meat that they're asking for. For a whole month, God tells Moses, I'm going to give these guys so much meat that they'll be so tired of it. Like they're going to have meat upon meat upon meat. And in verse 21, upon hearing this, this is what Moses says. But Moses responded to the Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Then the Lord said to Moses, Has my arm lost, lost its power? Is my arm too short to save? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. And sure enough, God sends all the meat that they needed. But for Moses, he's like, You say you're going to feed these guys for a whole month with meat from where? <laughs> Right? Because Moses is looking around at the things that are around him. And he's just like, I don't see how you can do such a thing, Lord. This is very similar to Philip. Where shall we buy food? And he's like, this is impossible, Lord. We can't do such a thing. We can't do such a thing. And here is the thing that is so interesting. Is that when we face insurmountable obstacles, many times our minds turn to the negative. Our minds turn to, no way I'll be able to overcome this we immediately begin to see all our insufficiencies and forget that we serve a God for whom all things, all things are possible. All things are possible. And my prayer is this, is that I pray that we will overcome this test with an attitude of gratitude. That when this, when Jesus comes to test us, that what we, that he will find in us is a positive outlook. That with God, all things are possible. That he's working all things out for my good. That he's going to work these things out. 
that when Jesus comes and says and comes when the test comes, then instead it won't find us in a negative state, in a state where we think that, ah man, I don't know how this would be possible. But instead it will find us in a positive state, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, where when she hears about this impossible thing about her as a virgin becoming, uh, becoming pregnant, she says, hey man, God, if he said he's going to do it, let's go. Let's do this. And that's the thing. That's the thing that is interesting here with Philip. And what's happening here. But then, then, but then not just Philip. So there's Philip who already says like, man, there's no way this is possible, right? There's no way we can be able to do this. And then now, there's another guy. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, who speaks up and says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So over here, Philip is like, we can't do this. So that's Philip. We can't do this. Then Andrew is like, well, there's this little bit we have here, but what good is that with this huge crowd? And so what Andrew did is that he despised what was available. So Philip is first is like, man, this is impossible. But Andrew despised what was available. What good is this little thing considering the bigger thing that needs to happen? And the thing is, is that for many of us, we despise the little things because what good is that anywhere in the context of the more important matters? So we despise the small places in which we are unfaithful, not realizing that it has an impact on the bigger things. We despise the small things God is calling us to do because what does it have to do with the bigger vision of God, of what God is calling me to do anyway? Or we despise our small yeses to God, not realizing that they are part that they play a part in the broader vision of what God wants to do through our lives. What good is this small thing? What use is little old me in the broader vision of what God wants to do with this world? What good is this small service that I do of ushering? Or what good is this small service that I do of being able to feed um, the watchman or being able to ensure that um, this person down the street is taken care of? What good is this small thing? What we see is what happens to these small, small things in Jesus' hands. What we see is what God is able to do with our limitations. We see what little old you can become in the hands of the maker. We see what a little faithfulness can become in the hands of our Savior. A little obedience, a little gift. Jesus is able to take the little that we have and multiply it. This is what he did with the five loaves and two fish and fed a multitude by simply giving thanks to God and distributing that which was there. Jesus took these five loaves and two fish with an attitude of gratitude, with an attitude of positivity, with an attitude of gratitude. He gave thanks. He broke the bread and began to distribute to the people until they had their fill. My friend, the little courage we move with to do what he's calling us to do has the potential through him to cause a huge shift in our lives. Our small yeses to him end up becoming big turning points for us in our lives. And the thing is this, 
our little faith in the hands of the Savior can literally move mountains. And the thing that happens is this, is that after this, Jesus' radical miracle of him being able to feed people with five loaves and two fish, literally he comes and he gives thanks, attitude of gratitude. He comes and he brings this thing and he says, Lord, this is what, this is what, this is what we have here, Father. And he gives it and he breaks it and he feeds the multitude. Attitude of gratitude. After this radical miracle, people are like, that's it. We're making this guy our king. But he gets away and the next thing we know from this text is that Jesus is walking on water, right? Now the thing about the walking on water, which is the second part. I preached on this a few months ago in the Faith Lifestyle series. And you know, what's interesting is that, and I'll put up the link there. What's interesting enough, it was, it was a message on how little faith is better than no faith. Whoever watched that episode, you can watch it. Huh? It's interesting how it connects to this very story of him feeding the 5,000, how the little we have is more than enough in his hands. The little that we have is more than enough in his hands. And then now we get to the part where Jesus describes himself as the bread of life, basically telling them and us that all that you need in this life is me. I am all that you need. Jesus puts it this way from verse 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. I love how the Amplified Version puts it. Then they asked him, what are we to do so that we may habitually do, be doing the works of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God. That you believe, adhere to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in the one he has sent. What are we to do so that we can see enduring change in our lives? What are we to do so that we can experience life? What are we to do so that we can express enduring progress, fruitfulness, and vitality? What are we to do so that we can perpetually and habitually please God? And the answer is this. Believe in Jesus. Listen to him. Rely on him. Trust in him. Depend on him. Every other plan is like perishable food. It won't last. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, in the larger scheme of life, we are constantly, constantly, constantly being bombarded with one million ways in which we can improve our lives, one million ways in which we can live a peaceful life, one million ways in which we can improve on our relationships, one million ways we can financially empower ourselves, one million ways we can have a better marriage, one million ways you can do life in this way or the other, whatever. What Jesus is saying to us is that without me, you are chasing wind. I am the one that can give you the life that you are so desperately searching for. That progress that you are desperately searching for, that meaning, that fruitfulness. I am the one that gives life. Verse 63 to 64 says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Jesus is literally saying to us, 
Focus your energy on me. Your human efforts in trying to fix things in your life will not bear much fruit. Focus your energy on me. Learn from me. Walk with me. Walk with me. Come and walk with me. I am the one who will help you. I am the one who can be able to give you the things that you are so desperately searching for. The things that you so desperately need. The life that you are searching for. I am the one who can give this to you. I am the bread of life. I am the, your sustenance. I am the one that will help you. Walk with me. You know, a few weeks ago in this series, I preached a message that we called House of Prayer. If you remember where Jesus cleans out the temple, and if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it. And in that message, I communicated that we are being called, and we are called to be a house of prayer, that God, especially at this time, and this was just my sense, I think this is a message that has been there from generation to generation, that we are meant to be a house of prayer. But especially at this time, I communicated that I feel that God is calling us to arise in our prayer life. That we would be intentional in being able to spend time in prayer. And by prayer, I mean you know, speaking to God and also taking the time to hear from Him through His Word, through times of worship. Whatever it is, you know, maybe go for a walk and just allow God to speak to you. This is a call from our Savior to refocus. To refocus where we place our energy. That we would move away from our human effort and instead focus our gaze on Him. And I remember giving an example of what this looks like and equated it to the action of Moses going up the mountain to meet with God. And in a different case, I think of it similar to what it said of Jesus, how he would rise up early to pray. That this wasn't just about discipline. It was about him knowing where his strength comes from. It's about him knowing where his essence comes from. And you know, the thing is, climbing up a mountain is not an easy feat. I can assure you, waking up to pray is not easy. <laughs> waking up early to pray. Intentionally putting aside to spend time with God is very, is, is, is a, it's actually quite hectic in, in this very hectic world. You know, it's one of those things that's actually quite, it's, you know, because there's so much going on that it's like to actually intentionally do these things. The way that this world is set up, it's set up in a way that it makes it so that like, man, what's, that, what's, what's all that for? Why is that important? Because oftentimes what it means, it means you overcoming your busyness, right? It means oftentimes you overcoming discouragement from the enemy when he'll come and tell you, you think, you, you think your praying will help you with anything. You need to get working, man. You, these things that you're doing are useless. It may mean you reorganizing your life so that it makes this a priority in your day, similar to how it was for Daniel. But my friend, the thing that I need you to understand is that when Jesus says that he is the bread of life, he's trying to tell us and he's saying to us that I am the one that gives you your essence. I am the one that gives you what it is that you need. Every single thing that you need comes from me. I am the bread of life. I am your sustenance. And the thing that he's calling us to do is to recognize that he is that. That our lives would begin to shape and morph into that realization that he is the one that we need. That the peace of mind that you're looking for, the wisdom that you're searching for is in him. 
This is not stuff that you're coming here to work for. This is not like, you know, hey, and I, I, I pray because I'm coming to work on these things. No, it belongs to you. This, all these things belong to you. And the thing that he's calling us to is to be able to center ourselves in him. That we begin to pray and intentionally do it because it centers us back to us recognizing where our true essence comes from. That he is the bread of life. And so in essence, all this, the pursuit of God is for you. Because he is the bread of life. But the thing that is interesting, like the passage today, the people prefer to do things their own way rather than accept Jesus' gift of life. That's the reason why there were so many, like he says here at the very end of this, that abandoned Jesus. Because the thing that he was asking them to do, they were like, nah, we're not trying to do that. We don't want to eat your bread. We don't want to drink your blood. We don't want any of that stuff to do with you. We don't recognize you as the essence of our life. And so, they prefer to do things their own way rather than accept Jesus' gift of life. My friends, every single day, Jesus is inviting us to eat his bread. Every day is an invitation to depend on him, to trust in him, to listen to him. Every single day, we are being invited to eat this bread. And the thing that Jesus says is that, that anyone who believes has eternal life. Anyone who believes has this eternal life. And we're being invited every day to come and eat, to come and eat from the bread of life, our sustenance, our God. Now, I want to close here by asking this question, that if you are listening to me today and you have not yet made the decision to follow after Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. If you're the person who's saying today that I want to follow Jesus, I want, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You are recognizing that this guy is the bread. I need this guy. He is the one who has the answers and you want to be able to commit your life to him. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray and say this with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead so that I can have a new life with you. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. Lead me to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. My friends, if you prayed that prayer, Karibu Nisana, you have literally completely altered your destiny by accepting Jesus Christ into your life. He is the bread of life. He is your sustenance. And continue to watch Adilam, continue to grow, and let us know if you have made that decision so that we can walk this journey together. God bless you so much for the decision that you have made. For everyone else who has listened to this message, He is the bread of life. And I encourage you, 
And as you saw that house of prayer message, that you would come back into that place and recognize that all the things that you are chasing are perishable. But the one thing that you need in your life is Christ. And so continually make it your mission and focus your energy on ensuring that you are consistently pursuing Him. That you are there in the prayer closet pursuing Him. You're there taking the time to listen to Him because He wants to direct you. He wants to instruct you in the way that you ought to go. He wants to grant you wisdom. He wants to give you all these different things that you need and He is the one who has those things for you. And so I encourage you to get back into that place of the intentional pursuit of our Savior whose arms are wide open to receive us because he is the bread of life. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. See you again next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.